Hello, and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And we're here to talk about social combat and intrigues and that sort of thing for 5e. Yeah, that is one of the, the big distinctive things about FFG's versions of Legend of Five Rings is that there are explicit social combat or social mechanics, which a lot of role-playing games don't really have. So I think that is one of the things that does set it apart. We're going to try and talk about when you use them, when you convert them to an intrigue, some kinds of goals and some techniques that people use to maximize their capabilities for social intrigues. Yeah. And hopefully make it a fun part of playing the game at the table. So one of the big questions is, when do you use social conflicts in Legend of the Five Rings? They can be used for a number of different sorts of conflict, but they generally center around reconciling or resolving conflicts in some fashion, as opposed to simply defeating someone like in a combat. Right. So you can have all kinds of social scenes in general, but it's got to be an actual conflict before you would start thinking about doing an intrigue, right? And these conflicts usually center around resolving a number of things. It could be resolving divergent goals. So she wants us to go north. I want us to go south. We have to pick between us which way to go. Our goals diverge. So so that's one kind of social conflict. And then you have goals that don't just diverge, they actively conflict, where it's not just you don't want to go north, but specifically you can't have that person go north. That's really bad for you for whatever reason. So those goals directly conflict as opposed to simply wanting different things, you very specifically don't want them to do something, or they don't want you to do something, or the two things you want are mutually incompatible in some way. So that's a, it's similar, but it is, it, the stakes can be kind of higher in those cases. Mm-hmm. So another kind of social conflict can be allocating the use of limited resources. There might be only so many soldiers, so many raw materials, uh, so much time to go around. And somehow in this social scene, you need to figure out how much each person gets of that limited resource. Yeah, that can be even things like the the party are the limited resource. Where do they go? What Mm -hmm. problems do they deal with in what order? Things like that. The other one is kind of um, complex. You can have a social conflict that is around an unresolved or an unresolvable emotion. So there's no reason anymore. This is all emotion, but there's this emotional conflict must be expressed. This could be unresolved passion, unresolved hatred, unresolved fear or ambition, something like that, that is not sensible. This is where you have somebody who is opposing you because they hate you, for example, or you might be trying to get somebody else's emotion out. You're trying to convince somebody to admit that they love you 
or love somebody else. And that emotion comes out. You could have somebody who feels huge amounts of spite and the conflict will continue until that emotion is expressed on the table. It's just like out there for the world to see in one way or another. A common trope I've seen in a few samurai dramas, especially ones involving high-ranking people, is the person who they feel that either they or possibly their child has been overlooked for inheritance. And so they start doing everything they can to either get that inheritance themselves. So they'll sabotage you know, people, they'll, they'll foment rebellions, they'll do all sorts. And it's not even rational. It's, it's, it's really just, I have been slighted. And so they will be a thorn in everyone's side and be a, a source of strife and chaos and, and getting in the way of getting stuff done until they resolve that emotional conflict, until they, you know, deal with that. The next thing to look at is when do you turn a social conflict into an actual intrigue? Because a lot of these things can be resolved maybe through just straight role-playing, no dice required. Some of these things can be done through a single role. They, if, possibly if you have a specific technique, sometimes you just use your courtier skill and maybe that is how you get it done. So when does it become an intrigue? So there have been a few different recommendations. All the people involved in this intrigue need to be in the same place at the same time so they're able to influence each other. That doesn't necessarily mean the literal same room. It could be you're all at the same winter court. So your character can go from one person to another. They can have servants take messages from one person to another. So everyone's in a place where they can influence each other in some way, directly or indirectly. However, you want them to be where they can use their techniques on each other. Exactly, yes. They have to be close enough that they can do that. Yeah. Some of these things can be done like at a remove or through intermediaries and stuff like that. But very often, yeah, there's not necessarily the exact same room, but that is a really obvious way of doing it. But close enough that, that you, can, you can go up to someone and start using a technique if you need to. You also need a social conflict that needs to be resolved with contrasting goals. Because obviously, if everyone's wanting the same thing, then, you know, there's not a lot of conflict there. Although I, I guess sometimes some people don't realize they're on the same side. You also need a reason to emphasize the conflict or the moment. So why is it happening now as opposed to before? Why is this the important thing to do right this moment? Yeah, it has to be a highlight of the game. You know, it, it can't be just a, a little low thing. Game mechanics in general should be used to highlight important moments in the story. So it has to be worth the time. <laughs> exactly. So why is this important enough that we should be rolling dice? Not just rolling dice at all, but rolling dice several times. Why is, why is this particular conflict that important right at this moment at the gaming table? And finally, you need some kind of time limit, as in you don't have all the time in the world to sort this out. You have a certain set amount of time, whether it's in rounds or hours or you know, potentially days, if you're talking about a winter court. But you have only so many dice rolls to get this done one way or the other. Mm -hmm. 
So I, those would be the things you need together to, to make. This is an intrigue that we need to resolve. Right. So that's, that's the minimum that you need. But you can also elevate it by adding multiple different conflicts occurring in the same scene. So this might be between different players, between different NPCs and so on, not just one goal trying to be achieved or two goals, the the nemesis goal and the PC goal. Now, when we talked to Max Brook on this show in a previous episode, he had said that their design for intrigues assumed that everybody would have multiple goals and the players would be kind of stabbing each other in the back um, throughout play. In my experience as a player, not what he recommends, and also in the intrigues shared in the modules, this is not the case. This is not what they do. They definitely um, do what you would expect normally from a regular combat. Everybody piles on and tries to achieve the same same end. So it it's not necessary, but it does work for intrigues and can produce really interesting results when you do that. Yeah, I think because unlike combat, unlike skirmishes, if you lose an intrigue, that's not the end of your character, most of the time anyway. So I think that might be a safer place to do semi-PVP than, you know, when the swords come out, <laughs> that's that's probably bad. <laughs> it does depend on the intrigue, I have to say, but but you can you can definitely have things like I don't know poetry contests or art contests or trying to get the princess's favour or, or what have you, you know. And the, although there's, there are still stakes, it's not. And now I have to roll up a new character, and I'm upset because now because you have made me not be able to play my character anymore. So I think you've got some some things you can do there. All right. Yeah. So um, what are goals for intrigue? So so when you go into an intrigue, you are going to go in with uh, you need to pick a goal that you want to achieve or your party has to pick a goal that it wants to achieve at the end of the intrigue. So um, the first and most common one that everybody does uh, is is persuasion. So persuasion is when a uh, you are trying to convince somebody else to do something, a, a lord to change his mind or to help you or you know, per, you know, convince them that this person is innocent or whatever it is. Persuade a target to a goal. Okay? Yeah. Send send us on the on the high glory mission. Send them on the horribly dangerous mission that will that will almost certainly fail. That kind of thing. Promote us, you know, promote our favorite. Yeah, all sorts of particular goals. But you can also have the exact opposite, which is trying to dissuade someone, trying to get them to not do something that they have already decided to do because it's a hideous disaster and, and it would be terrible. <laughs> right. It's kind of similar, but but it is in its own way. It's got its own different connotations and and how that will play out is going to be quite different when you're trying to stop someone from a course of action they have already decided on. Right. Another 
very common way to goal of an intrigue is just information gathering. So you're supposed to get through the scene doing whatever, but you're trying to hit up all the courtiers in court trying to find out information that you need for your yeah. for your quest. Um, this works in a very different way than a pile-on persuasion, but yeah. it is perfectly good to do for an intrigue, especially if someone is trying to stop you from finding out that information. Yeah. So you and would accumulate be... a certain amount of momentum <clears throat> Yeah. And you get more info the more momentum you gather. But someone's yeah. trying to stop you from getting momentum and to stop you from asking questions altogether um, because they're the person who doesn't want you to find out. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, that can be one, one that is actually pretty suited for not everyone in the same room because everyone's all, – all the PC group are scattered around Wintercourt or the village or wherever – each pursuing their own contacts and trying to just piece together and then everyone's getting their own momentum. And then essentially at the end of it, you're coming together and going, I got this much momentum and everyone's putting their information on the table and did we get enough? Mm-hmm. Another possible goal is humiliation or I would probably phrase this a little more broadly, taking somebody out of the game in some way so reducing somebody else's influence to the extent that they can't affect anything anymore like you've got the the evil advisor behind the otherwise perfectly lovely daimyo and you've got to remove that person's influence from the daimyo for example and you can't do it directly and you've got to maybe find some way of making them make a fool of themselves or finding something embarrassing about them so no one's going to listen to them anymore. And there's a whole way of doing that. So that's another thing you might want to do. Right. And kind of the inverse, but this is um, Mm. a little bit uh, less direct, is you can use an intrigue to gather influence yourself. So this means that the end goal isn't necessarily a piece of information or a, a direct action or a direct persuasion at the end of the, the time, but you are going to use this scene to make yourself or your party as beautiful and popular and uh, looked up to as possible in preparation for maybe something that you're planning on, on doing later. So this is the high school dance that you have before voting on homecoming queen, you know, yeah. you just uh, you want to be you want to make friends with everybody. You want to become popular um, because you have some achievement that you want to to make at the end of the time or because you're going to do something bad and you want to. <laughs> <laughs> or you're just thinking. I don't. Essentially, you're getting bargaining chips for later. Is what you're doing here, mm-hmm. and, and you, you may not even win allies. Yeah, yeah, and you, you maybe don't even have a specific goal in mind. Just thinking, mm-hmm. I we would probably want to have these bargaining tokens in the future mm-hmm. for something. Let's get them now. <laughs> right, and you could potentially win allies and stuff in this kind of an intrigue. 
So mm-hmm. that's another one. Another thing which is a bit more, again, this is not like having a specific goal maybe, but being in a position where you'll be able to express an emotion that ordinarily you wouldn't be able to express, okay? Making it such that you can do this without the usual social penalties, maybe do it so that no one else notices, you know, declare your love for someone, uh, declare your unending hatred for someone, depending. (laughs) It could also be to get someone else to do that. Yeah, they kind of, for God's sake, just kiss. Heaven's sake, everyone knows. Just get on with it. <laughs> like, you know, we've, we've, all, we've all yelled at, at the television screen, I'm sure, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> and, you know, doing that, that sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> and, and that can also be in, in service to another, uh, another goal because sometimes – you need everyone to be aware that the evil advisor to the lovely daimyo, they're doing it because of a sense of revenge for that thing that happened to their parents. And nobody knows, but you need to get them to yell that in court loudly so everyone understands what's going on, you know? So that can be a thing that you might be trying to do. Yep. Another reason to have an intrigue is, frankly, if you are stalling, So this would be if you had a party member or even an NPC not in the intrigue who is doing something and you are trying to keep everybody occupied and not paying attention to what that uh, party member is for a certain number of of turns, at which point, um, you know, the guards go check out the weird sounds coming from the stables or whatever it is that's going on yeah yeah you should be looking at this lovely flower arrangement and uh, no no i don't know where our friend is they're definitely not in the daimyo's chambers searching for things i don't know why you think that oh look at this lovely flower arrangement don't you think it invokes feelings of nostalgia that kind of thing this works very well with the turn by turn structure so you could have a gm going from player to player taking the turns in the intrigue and then a turn of whatever the your ninja is doing in the daimyo's chambers, then back to the intrigue and everyone's doing their intrigue turns and back to the the ninja in the chambers. So it kind of goes back and forth and you can you can see it. So that's when you definitely want to do a social scene you know, with roles and stuff turn by turn. Yeah. And in the last of our little list here and these this isn't like an exclusive list it's just the ones that we came up with uh disseminating information which can be stuff that's true or stuff that's not you know rumors i hear that person x and person y were seen together in the north wisteria corridor that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and sometimes you need people to know something that's true and sometimes you need people to think things that aren't true and this is a thing you often need to do and an intrigue is the way of doing it Right. So this might be a time where you are trying to convince a large group of people to do something, but you want them to think that it was them who thought of it. Mm -hmm. And this happens, you know, this has happened in a campaign, you know, that I was in. We were trying to persuade a group of, this was not L5R, but we were trying to persuade a group of wizards to cast an important spell to resolve a problem that we had an idea that would resolve it. But they were all much more important than us and very arrogant, as wizards can be, and and 
therefore you don't uh, we're we're just inclined to listen to us, so we had to spread spread the idea around in them far enough that they thought that they thought of it. <laughs> Very important. An important way of getting pe- important people to do things is to make them think it was their idea and not yours. Absolutely. Yeah, very, right. very important. So, so that's very, that's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, or or just a. It doesn't have to be a negative rumor. It could be you spreading a rumor around not to go to the haunted forest at least until you find a shiginja to deal with the terrible problem that is going Absolutely. to create, turn them into mind controlled zombies if they go there. You know, um, it could be for their protection too. So so. Uh, anyway, disseminating information in some fashion can be an intrigue as you try and work those rumors and and not necessarily have them traced to you. And all of these can be sub-goals in an overarching goal. So if your goal is p- to persuade the daimyo to do something, somebody could be information gathering, somebody could be influence gathering, somebody could be disseminating information and so on. So these can all be goals within goals, as well as the main goal of the intrigue. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So those are things you might want to do. So we can also have a look at, well, how might you go about this? So we're going to put together a couple of ways that your players, or you if you are a player, might approach achieving these goals as a way of um, diving into these. And these are kind of clusters of stances and techniques that work together, but primarily about the stances that you use um, Mm -hmm. in order to achieve uh, different kinds of goals. So you can think of these techniques that we're going to talk about as as like a, a combination of stances and mechanics and just actions that you could take that in combination will achieve certain kinds of goals quickly. So the first one we're going to talk about is the high fire technique. So the high fire technique takes advantage of the fire stance mechanics, which is if you keep strife results, you get to add those as bonus successes, which admittedly means you probably end up taking more strife than you ordinarily would, but I would hope that you'd be taking that into account. You can use shuji or actions to inflict strife on other participants, forcing them to either be compromised, which means they can't roll very well, or to unmask, which you would be hoping to be useful to you in, uh, in, your, in your goals. Uh, it is worth noting that an unmasking inflicted by loading up on fire doesn't necessarily help the player. So you have to be a bit cautious because you can get someone like very, very passionate and riled up, but you aren't necessarily in control of exactly how that manifests. So an angry daimyo who's been strifed out might order everyone to get be arrested or they might just, I'm closing the court completely and nothing is getting done today or any number of very bad things that are not what you want. So you might want to be very sure about how they're going to react in those circumstances before you go for this. But it may be a situation where anything along those lines is good for you. 
um, a duelist might unmask and immediately challenge someone to a duel, or they may just attack them. So, you know, caution. Uh, inflicting strife on someone higher ranked than you, that strife probably means that they're angry at you. And even if publicly unmasking in that way causes a loss of honor and glory for that individual, that doesn't necessarily mean that the way they do that helps you. So, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're, even if you're, oh, well, you know, he unmasked and, you know, he's lost tons of glory. Ha ha ha. Well, okay, you're very smug about this in your jail cell, not being able to help now. <laughs> <laughs> right. This one is a really common player favorite because all of those bonus successes that you get from fire stance contribute directly to momentum. So it just, yeah, like, seems to go twice as fast to your goal as everything else. And and fire stance is, uh, a lot of people like to load up and fire for combat as well. Yeah. But I think, I think fire is high risk, high reward, but also you know, like high reward, but high risk. And the risk in this case is that you can roll up an emotion, but you aren't in control of how it happens, what the outcome necessarily is. And that can be an, an issue. If you... You can also, going outside of just using fire, using something like air and cadence can enable you to do stuff and then people don't actually know why everyone's mad at you. And you're like, I'm, I, I'm completely innocent. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> which can be, very, can be quite helpful. So this is good for humiliating somebody or taking them out of the situation at least or forcing an emotion if you need someone to express a particular emotion using fire and strife mechanics to get them to express that is an obviously an obvious way of doing that right so other techniques that you can use another technique is kind of i call it the the keeping it cool technique and keeping it cool means using water or earth opportunities to keep the party's strife levels down mm. so that the intrigue can run longer and the NPCs yeah. get worn out without inflicting strife on them. All right? So yeah. this is less angry, less likely to lead to an anger unmasking. Uh, you could potentially even use opportunities if an NPC looks like they're getting high to cool them down a bit. Yeah. Um, it it definitely, even if the NPCs do get to compromise, they are not likely to be angry at you. Mm. Um, they might just get tired out or something like that. So yeah. because of that, it, it tends to make the conflict go long. Earth and water are very good at leading to a persuasion uh, kind of success. Yeah. Uh, this kind of thing is good for persuasion or dissuasion, uh, gathering influence and allies, or for or for stalling. Yeah. Just Sounds, keep it cool. Yeah. <laughs> everything's calm. Everything's fine. Don't look into what our missing companion is doing. Our missing companion who's not a ninja. tum tum Everything's fine. Everything's calm. Another set of techniques... The taking notes techniques. So this is using air and void opportunities to try and discern information during the initiative phase and communicate it between party members. So you're finding stuff out and you're getting it 
out to the people who need it, preferably without revealing that this information has got out. You can use rumor techniques to learn more or spread a rumor that you'll do great things for those who give you a certain type of information. Good for gathering information or disseminating information. So you could use your momentum here to work towards paying the cost for your desired information, not just persuading, but getting this information in the first place. Okay. The the next technique, I guess you can say, is uh, attacking in the weakest approach. So in if you want to do the attack the weakest approach, you always use air for your initiative. And then you use the opportunities off your initiative role to figure out the demeanor of the main person you're trying to target. Okay. And then when you have determined what their demeanor is, then you use whatever ring it is that their demeanor is weakest to as your primary approach. So this is generally actually the strongest approach. You gain a bigger bonus in skill rolls from using the ring that a demeanor is weakest to. Yeah. Then, which, you know, lowers your TNs, than you would um, having a higher ring yourself. Yeah. It is... It may not get you to the role you need. That's mm. why you have the other uh, other approaches. And uh, if you are a person who tends to stack up high in one ring, this isn't going to be very helpful to you <laughs> because yeah. you're not. You know, their demeanor might be uh, you know strongest against whatever your favorite ring is, and you might be trying to do this in a ring you only have one in, but. If you are playing a balanced courtier, this is a, you know, with balanced rings, this is a very strong approach. Yep. And certainly information that's really hard to have. If you know that this person is weak against, I don't know, water, even if you're really bad at water, maybe someone else in your group is quite good at water. So maybe you want to try and it's really good information to have. So it's something to, to think about. And the final one in this particular section is causing a distraction. So assigning one PC to focus on distracting or occupying the time of an antagonist NPC while everyone else completes their goals. You can use a lot of courtesy and protocol for this to make it rude for the other person to go and investigate what's going on or poke their nose where you don't right. want them to poke their nose. So, so this is more not... Um not having so all your PCs in this case are in the same room. You're not trying to stall. This isn't for stalling. This is more like if you are in an opposed intrigue. So you have an NPC that is trying to thwart your goal. Say the evil advisor. The evil advisor is trying to turn the people against you, and you're trying to persuade the daimyo to ignore the evil advisor. Yeah. For example, then you assign one person to go to the evil advisor and completely tie up their time in some fashion, challenge them to a go match or, uh, you know, ask for their advice on something or anything mm, other to than... make it so that their the evil advisor is focused on occupying the time of or competing with or otherwise your one NPC whose job it is to uh, distract them. And then everybody else goes piles on persuading the daimyo. 
So this is a really good way for uh, secondary courtiers or, uh, you know, your your fighter, for example. You know, he might not be really good at persuading, but yeah, he's he's good at yeah yeah talking with the yeah <laughs> the NPC. So you just stick him over there, and and then everybody else is gathering the momentum that you need, and he's just tying up the time of this one guy. Yeah. It works really well. <laughs> Maybe we need to come up with, you know, in combat, thanks to MMOs and such and D&D 4th Edition, we have these ideas of tank and DPS and healer and crowd control. I wonder if we need to come up with terms for social, you know. You, got, you, know. Almost, <laughs> you can almost call it that. Yeah, your, your tank yeah. is there absorbing. S- social tank. The attention of the, <laughs> the social tank, yeah. I like it. Actually, Earth are pretty good for, for it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so now you've got – so we kind of talked about um, what kind of social conflicts there might be, kinds of goals people might have for social conflicts. Yeah. And uh, a, a number of techniques that your group of PCs might use to achieve their goals in this. So I wanted to give some GM notes for what you mm. need to consider. All right. First of all. Ignore everything the book has on the idea that focus is the target momentum you need. Yeah. Okay. That works if you've got one PC and one NPC. <laughs> but that's, you know, not the way these things tend to go. Think much more along the lines of focus times the number of, of PCs working on the same goal. Is, is your is your target momentum. That's not perfect. You may have to adjust it up and down, but you know, each technically each PC needs to get about that amount of momentum. Basically, yeah. So if there's four PCs, focus times four is if they're all working on the same goal is 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 better. That's pretty challenging. So you may have to adjust it up and down, but that's that's kind of your your rule of thumb. If the Player characters are all split up and are working on separate goals. And these aren't necessarily competing goals. These might be things that they're each doing that will come together to to form the overarching goal. But if they've got their own goals, then you can look at each momentum for each task is the focus of the person that they're up against. Uh, If you're doing the high fire technique approach, then the real goal is composure because it's the composure of the person you're trying to strife out. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes, if, but if they're all on one goal, then it's focus times number of PCs. If they've all got their individual goals, then yes, each individual goal will be the focus of the person that they're aiming at. Mm-hmm. If the PCs have conflicting goals, all right, keep mm. separate counters for each PC. All right. And then the PC who achieves their goal first wins. <laughs> Basically, that that that's the resolution. So if you have some people who are trying to strife strife the, the guy out and some people are trying to persuade the guy, you know, keep a strife counter and a persuade counter and you know, if persuade wins, then he's persuaded, otherwise he's strifed out. Yep. Sometimes that happens. 
So we mentioned earlier that one of the things you need for to make a social conflict and intrigue is some kind of time limit, something that will end the whole thing. So here are some examples of that. You can have an NPC reaching their composure limit and thus departing the scene, and that ends the conflict. And so that ends the intrigue. So you've got to get what it you either that's your goal or you have to get what you need to do done before that happens. Right. You could have the scene ending due to a pre-scheduled event. Dinner only lasts so long, the dinner bell, you know, the dessert course comes and you're you're done. Yep. Which which can I suppose be an event you are aware is going to happen, like the end of the the meal, and an event you're not aware of, like the bandit attack. In the middle of the meal. Yeah. You never know. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> An other obvious timer is an NPC reaching their goal before the player characters do. That's a fairly obvious one. So you've got two conflicting goals. The NPC gets theirs. End of scene. Ba-dumpf. All right. A PC can complete a non-intrigue related action that the rest of the NPCs are hiding. So the PC has finished searching the Daimyo's room. So... There's no need to stall anymore. Yeah. And that that could also be like, you've got to get that done before the guards turn up. So it's going to end either when your player character gets out of there or when the guards turn up. So that's, a, that's something there. Another one is when you've got the information you need. Once you have that, once you know the combination of the vault or you know the timing of when the target of your revenge is going to be moving back into their own mansion that you happen to have the plans of, once you've got that information, end of scene. Right. Finally, a PC unmasking is a big disruptor on whatever plans the PCs were generally doing. So very often, if the PC unmasks during the scene in some fashion, uh, that can end the scene right there. Yep. Uh, you've just gotten too much and the dynamics of everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, they can choose to end the scene, of course, if they yeah. composure and don't want, to ma- uh, uh, don't want to unmask, so they're compromised. Um, they can choose to end the scene and leave before they unmask. Or they can unmask and leave the scene. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, you know, basically the the PC loses it, and that means everybody's relationship to the scene changes. So it, it's best to end it then. So that's the end of our GM notes for intrigues. We would also like to hear from you if you've got any favorite intrigue moments from your games or any hints and tips that you have for running good intrigues. We'd love to hear those. Right. I wanted to call out to our sister podcast, Fortune and Strife, our affiliated actual play podcast, as well as our friends at D20 Radio. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can store and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcast, great RPG tools, and more. For our patrons, we will have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, uh, early access to our AP podcast, and other things as we think of them. Online, you can find us at our website, courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. 
And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I have been Korvar. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.